working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are a maker, miracle work, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are here, touching every worship you I worship you you are here healing every heart I worship you I worship you you are here turning lights around I worship you Worship you. you, you are here, mending every heart. I worship you. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. 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 I think I speak Jesus will be fine. Actually, I want to test the speed on Psalm 23. <laughs> I don't know why I felt so slow just now. Anyway, I think maybe what I'll do is I'll pluck this start instead of strum. That might lead in better. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie. In pastures green, he leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul, and I will trust in you alone. <laughs> and I will trust in you. mercy follows me your goodness will lead me home 
is someone I met actually through Seanal. Uh, he was recommended to Seanal and uh, was going to be here in Singapore uh, this um, um, couple of weeks. And Seanal asked whether we could have him as a guest preacher. So before I, uh, having never met him before, I arranged for a, a Zoom session with him and his wife, Shay, and got to know a little bit more about him. He's an Anglican priest uh, from the Anglican Church in North America. Uh, he now lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. He used to pastor a church in upstate New York, uh, upstate, not New York City, but in the state itself. And um, a number of people we know in common. And uh, when I was recently in the States, um, because he lived in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we were flying into a city called Charlotte, North Carolina, he said uh, he'd be happy to meet up with us, except I didn't realize it was a two-hour drive <laughs> from his place to meet us. So he met Karen and I uh, at the airport or near the airport at a place, and we had a meal and really found that, you know, there was a real um, um, uh, a joining of hearts and minds, a, a sense in which, you know, the, this was an, a divine appointment, and we are really glad to have him here. He preached yesterday already at our Saturday service and had a wonderful time of ministry with many of our young people. And without much further ado, I'm going to ask him to come and just share God's word with us. Let's just give him a warm welcome. Thank you for that welcome and introduction. And it is a joy to be here with you all today, and I'm so glad that you're excellent Anglicans since you're all sitting in the back. Way to go. <laughs> that was always the case of my church as well. So today, uh, I wanted to share with you um, about something that is really deeply on my heart, and the sermon title today is uh, Knowing God, Our Real Father. Another title for it could be also um, going home or coming home to the Father. So that's what I want to talk about today, and I've uh, selected the passage from, from John, John chapter uh, 14, um, and I wanted to, to, to take some time looking at that. But I want to tell you a story of what happened this morning on the way here. We were um, taking a grab, and God has a funny way of giving you an, an illustration for the sermon you're about to preach just before you preach it. And we got into the grab this morning, and it was, it was an older gentleman. And as soon as we pulled out of the hotel where we were staying, it was clear that he was getting a little confused about which direction to go. So how to get to the destination. And as we were making strange turns and he was making weird gestures and disappointed in himself for not making a turn, while he had a GPS right there, he clearly was not wanting to follow the GPS. And he started to talk to us about that. And he was, and he was, he was saying, I know it. Basically, I know the way there. Like it's, There's something, something inside of me. I, rem I remember, I should remember how to get to the destination. And I don't want to use the GPS because that's what all the young kids do. They all use the GPS, and I don't want to use the GPS. And so I had a thought in my mind for a minute. I said, are we actually going to get to the church? But, you know, we did. Obviously, we're here. Uh, and he did, he did end up looking at the GPS a bit to reorient himself. 
But then he still felt pretty proud that when we got here that we'd actually arrived. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing with us that, that from the moment we're born, and actually it's before that, there's something within us that knows that we're away from home. But we don't know how to actually get there. And we're not consciously aware of it, but something just doesn't seem right. That as we're born into this world where there's sin, where there's um, so much pain and suffering, or if we're in families that are difficult, there's something inside of our heart, something inside in our spirit that that can sense that something is not right. We're not where we're meant to be. And we don't even know that there is a GPS. We don't even know at first where to turn or where to go to actually get that direction, how to find that home. And I was adopted as a child, as an infant, and never knew my birth parents. And from the moment... Um, I was consciously aware there was something inside of me that knew that I wasn't where I started. That I wasn't, I wasn't home. I had a home, but that there was something before this home. There was something before that I had somehow been separated from. And I didn't know how to find my way back. And I didn't actually even know where I was going or where I should go in order to find that way back. And with that, I want to turn to our passage uh, from John. John 14 through 17 are the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples. Essentially, it's his last message. If you were going to see somebody for the last time and you knew it, and you really loved them, and you cared for them, there probably would be some things that you'd want them to know. And these are those things. These are the things that Jesus wanted his disciples to know because he knew what was just about to happen. He knew that they were about to see something horrific, that they were going to see him nailed to a cross, suffering, bloody, something that, they, that was so other to what their experience had been with them, and this man that they loved, and he knew that they loved him, that they were about to see him actually die, and that they would have no grid, no way to comprehend what was happening. And so he wanted to speak words of comfort and life to them, but also help them to eventually understand why this had to happen And really, at the end, how this was the way for them to come home. And who the destination actually is. The destination, but also the source, the origin from where they came from in the first place. And so Jesus starts with this. Do not let your hearts be troubled, because he knows they're going to be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many rooms. 
So in my father's house at home, there's many, many rooms for you. And if it weren't so, would I have told you that I was going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. So I'll come home to you. I'll come to you and I'll bring you home. And then he, and then he says this, you already know. You know the, the way to the place where I am going. And the disciples who had no idea what he was talking about, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus gives this statement, which is so much deeper than I realized for a long time. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth anymore, but I have come as the way to your real father. I've come to bring you home. And the disciples, then he says this, if you really knew me, you'll know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip doesn't understand what he's saying and says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. He's saying, if, you, if you're going to bring us to the Father, then show us the Father. And Jesus says this, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on, on the testimony and the evidence of the miracles that I've performed. Jesus is the way to the Father, but Jesus also came as the revelation of, of who the Father is and what he's like, that when we meet Jesus, we're meeting the Father. You know, we have this God who is one, but actually reveals himself in three persons, three in one and one in three. It's the Trinity. And I fell in love with the Trinity. I did a whole dissertation on the Trinity. I just love the Trinity because it's what sets Christianity in so many ways apart from the other faiths. And it's been a wrestle throughout church history with all, you know, what does this mean that we have a God who is one and three and three and one? And then we saw in the Reformation that, that suddenly this forgotten Jesus, that we can have a, a personal relationship with Jesus, suddenly comes to the front. And God's saying, I want to teach you about who I am. And so this is who I am as Jesus. And then you had at the end of the, the 1800s, suddenly this move that begins with the Holy Spirit. And God's saying, now, now I want you to know me as the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know me personally. And you have the Welsh Revival and Azusa Street and the Charismatic Renewal, which breaks out after that. It's God saying, I'm a God who wants to be known. And I want you to know me now as the Holy Spirit. And then in the, the late 20th century, there began to be a new move of God 
where he said, now I want you to know me as Father, because that's how Jesus knew me. And that actually the spirit that I put within you is the spirit of sonship. I want to be known by you. And I want you to know what I'm really like as your father. And Jesus is saying to us in this passage and elsewhere, actually, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he's saying, this is what my father is like. That if you've seen me, you've seen his personality. You've seen his nature. You've seen how he acts, how he thinks. Jesus says over and over again in John, he says, I don't do anything anything except what the Father tells me to say or do. Nothing I say is other than what the Father wants me to say, and nothing I do is outside of what the Father wants me to do. And it's not just because he's being obedient. It's because there's a purpose in it. He is being obedient, but he's wanting to reveal our real Father to us because that's our home. One way to look at the whole sweep and scope of the gospel, and even going back all the way to Genesis, is that this is a story, a narrative, a historical account of how God moved in history, how our Father acted in history to bring his wayward kids home. From the moment Adam and Eve left the garden, they experienced in their hearts an anguish of separation from their father, their heavenly father, who they knew intimately in the garden, and also a cry and a longing to come home. And that is a cry and a longing that even as we sit here right now, we all have in our hearts. That even when we become Christians, And that is a huge step because we believed in the way. But too many of us, myself included, have lived our lives as believers not really knowing where we're going. That we've known that we're saved, but we've not known where we're going as saved people. And that there's a home that we can experience right now in the present so that we can have the peace and the rest that Jesus himself promised us. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, I think we might have that on a, on a slide. Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus knows the Father, and he's come to reveal the Father to us. I just want to say again, we've, we've thought in our Christian walk in life and, and how we think about evangelism as well, that, that, that the point is to get people saved. And that is part of the point. The whole world needs to know Jesus, needs to be saved. 
But part of the incentive to being saved is that we actually have a home. And it's a home in God's heart. So this has really shaped how, how my wife and I evangelize now, that when we share people the truly good news that God is a real father, that we are his real children, and that if you come into relationship with Jesus, you come into a family so that I can stand here in front of you right now and I can look at each one of you individually And if you're a believer in Jesus, I can look at you and I can say to you, brother, sister, we belong to one another. We're part of a real family. Just take a second and look at the person next to you and just say to them, and you Of course, you may be here with your family, so this will be sort of obvious, but think about it spiritually, that we're part of the same same family. Say, I belong to you, and you belong to me. Maybe that's terrifying. (laughs) But this was God's design. This is God's design, that we're we're a family. Jesus says uh, in... John 14, uh, verse 18. I'm just going to read a couple of verses before that. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'll bring you home. I'll bring you back into the family with your real heavenly father. And then let's turn to Galatians 4, 6 through 7. I can't see if it's up on the screen or not, but. And Paul writes this, Because you're his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God also made you an heir. So this Holy Spirit that Jesus has given us, he's given us it to us as a way of confirming our identity, our new identity in him as a son or a daughter of our real heavenly father. So that we, like Jesus, and you know, when, when Jesus was baptized, do you remember what the father said to him? You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased that, that Jesus' walking and living on this earth was done as a son in relationship with a father. And now Jesus invites us into that very same relationship he had with his father. That when we are put into Christ, as Paul says, that we're being put into the relationship of sonship of being sons and daughters to a father. That as Christians, our primary identity is as sons and daughters. 
In 1 John 3, 1, we see this. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us. Lavished upon us. This is the NIV that I'm kind of speaking out of. Has lavished upon us. Has given us so graciously, so fully, so intensely. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are. That's who we are. And so we, as we come home to the Father, even as Christians, as we come home to the Father, we live in the light, in the experience, in the presence of his lavish love for us every single day. Every Shay's in my prayer every single day is, Father, thank you for loving us right now. And we ask you to help us experience more of this lavish love. And it's not just because I want to feel good. So it's not about me anyway. It's about him. See, there's a, there's a, there's a little, I almost want to say trick that God plays in us, but it's not really. That he knows that when we receive more of his love and when we know him as a father and we know ourselves as a son or a daughter, that actually we're going to want to give everything to him. Because he is so good and so loving and so incredible that our natural response as a son or a daughter is going to be to give everything to him. Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we think, everything that we do, we're going to be just like Jesus. Jesus did everything and anything and all he had, he gave to the Father because he knew he was loved, and he knew that Father knows best. It's the same thing that he desires for us. And it changes our view, actually, of then what it means to be a servant. All my life, I, I long to be a servant of Jesus. And yet, what does he say? He says, I, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. That actually, our position, our identity is no longer that of servant, but as a son or a daughter who serves. So we serve God. We seek after God. We run after God. We, we pursue him. We do the ministry that we're called to do. We do it from the position, not as a slave or a servant, but as a son or a daughter who are loved. And out of that love and that overflow that we have, there's nothing else we'd rather do. That's how Jesus intended it to work. And why is that? Because if you're serving from a position of, of being loved and knowing that you're loved, then you're not going to burn out. You're not going to get exhausted because you're going to be abiding in him. So part of living at home and being a son or a daughter is learning how to abide in the vine, how to abide in the love that he has given you. And the more love you have and the more clear you are on who you are and whose you are, the more he's able to use you to literally change the world that we live in. 
to proclaim the gospel fiercely with love and power. So that is what I'm praying that God will impart to you today, that you will know, that you know, that you know in your heart, just as Jesus wanted his disciples to know, as we read in John 14, know that you know that you know that you are loved and that you are the Father's children and that Jesus was willing to go to the very point of death itself to bring you back home. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore, and there's nothing that you can do to make the Father love you any less. That he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. I met my birth mother a few years ago. After many, many years, and all I can say is that when I first met her face to face, not only did she look just like me and I looked just like her to the point where it was almost creepy, when we met for the first time and I fell into her arms, my heart leapt and I knew that I had come home. I had finally found where I came from. And that all the pain, all the longing, all the yearning, the abandonment that I dealt with, the feelings of rejection, that all of that suddenly in that moment came to a resolve because I had come home. And you know, it's the same thing when we come back home to our Heavenly Father. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Just to close, Heavenly Father, Father, I thank you that you revealed yourself to us in the person of your Son, Jesus, and that Jesus came to save us and to show us the way back home, that home we had in your heart before the very creation of this world that you knew us before we were even born. That, Jesus, you showed us the way home, that, Father, you welcomed us with open arms just like the prodigal son, and you said, I am so happy you're home. I have a place for you. Father, I pray right now for each one of our hearts here that if there's any part in our heart, Father, that that has felt uh, separated from you, that has not really believed that you have loved us, that you care, you've had that longing and yearning in your heart for something more, but you didn't know what it actually is. Father, I pray God, that you will meet each person here right in that place. So they will come into that experience of you loving them all the way home. And that is, as we, as we say and sing, that we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That they will dwell in your home and that live in their entire lives from the position of being at home 
Father, give them in their hearts such confidence, such joy, such an overwhelming sense of peace that you are here. And Jesus, I pray that with your Holy Spirit's help, you will lead them right back home. Bring healing and wholeness. I thank you, Father, for loving them right now in this very second. He's loving you. More of your love, I pray, because there's no end. So, Father, I glorify your name. Jesus, I, I worship you. And Holy Spirit, I bow before you. I thank you that you're my family. That we're all here, family, together. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And... um. I don't know if you'll say this later or not, but if you'd like to come and receive, um, if you'd like us to lay hands on you to, to pray that the Father will come and help bring you home or have healing or anything you need will be available after the service finishes. Uh, but thank you again for the privilege and joy of being able to be with you all today. Bless you. Thank you, Reverend Bruce, uh, for uh, your sermon, reminding us of the Father, and we do look forward to your ministry after service. Now, uh, as children of God, let us stand as we confess our faith.